0: or wherever you listen.
1: It's almost a listlessness. I feel like I'm wandering around doing my day-to-day without a goal or without a destination.
2: Welcome to How To. I'm Carvel Wallace. So, how are you? No, really, how are you doing? Like, right now? Are you happy in your life? Are you fulfilled? It's hard for me to imagine a more difficult-to-answer question for a lot of people. It's one of those questions that the more you think about it, the more complicated it becomes. And maybe that's because it's one of those questions where if the answer is not immediately yes, then it's probably no. Which is overwhelming. Because if your life is unfulfilling, what do you do? How do you make it fulfilling? Do you quit your job? Do you leave your marriage? Do you pull up stakes and move to a fishing village off the coast of Alaska? Investigating if your life is happy and then figuring out what to do about it if it's not is actually a deeply complicated problem. And it happens to be on the mind of this week's listener.
1: Hi, I'm Tracy. I am living in upstate New York and I have a a lovely life, but it feels as though I don't fully have a grasp on to have a comprehensively fulfilling life. Um, I've always kind of thought you have to create the community that you want to live in. So I was very much doing that in a hands-on way that was aligned with my skill sets. So I'm a data person, so I was doing loan underwriting, and I was staffing boards, and I was, you know, coming up with strategies and. I was doing all of that within my community, so it was very tangible to me. And that in itself Mm -hmm. was very fulfilling.
2: But economic development, working with her local chamber, business leaders, and other organizations was also very stressful. Nevertheless, Tracy quickly climbed through the ranks, gathering more and more responsibility
1: it was a lot for one person and I'm, I'm fairly young. So, um, especially for someone Mm -hmm. at, at my stage, it was, it was a lot. It was really kind of three positions pulled into one and I had, you know, multiple direct reports and 60 board members to report to. So it was, it was a lot. And I did it for a few years and I really, like I said, I was really fulfilled by the type of work it was, but I had some other personal stuff going on in my life and, I I needed to make some changes to get myself on better footing.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. Um, You did mention in your letter that your mental health, I think the the phrase you used was declined. And I'm wondering if you can share as much as you're comfortable with what that was like.
1: Yeah, so I would say it, it started with things like having fun at a party, but then afterwards not necessarily caring that I went. And that was tied more to, you know, actual depression. Um, and then, you mm-hmm. know, we get into, I'm in this stressful position. I got married, took on this position, started a small business with my husband all in the same year. Uh, so that all kind of started to overflow my my capacity bowl, as I like to say. And then, you know, and then the pandemic hit. Uh, I, had, I had a cousin who was quite young, died from cancer in 2021, and then about six mm-hmm. weeks later, my grandfather passed away as well. So it was just a really rough uh, couple of months, even like holding myself together on a daily basis. And, and that was a combination mm-hmm. of the grief that I was feeling, but also the long-term, you know, depression that had been building up over time. So... Mm-hmm. I wasn't intending to make such a quick career move, but that happened to fall into place. At the same time, I started seeing a therapist and all of those things have come together to get myself into a much better place overall.
2: So Tracy is in a better place with her mental health and she's now working as a consultant, still within her field, but it's not as many hours, which should be the dream, right? But still, she feels like she's missing
1: something. It's still feeling like I'm not quite on a path that makes sense for me. And, you know, mm-hmm. I think I said in my my initial email, I'm an implementer, I'm not a visionary, and that is totally a good thing. Everyone, you know, visionaries need implementers, implementers need visionaries. So I think I'm just struggling with, okay, what's that? What's that goal I am trying to work towards? Because once I have mm. a clear vision of that, I feel like I can implement.
2: Tracy is not alone in struggling. A recent Kaiser Family Foundation study found that one in three adults reported feeling depression or anxiety. And the CDC reported finding a nearly 400% increase in depression between fall of 2019 and summer of 2020. It may be harder to find fulfillment now than at any point in our recent history. So today on the show, we're going to take a long, hard look at it and see if we can come up with a fulfillment plan that Tracy can implement. And to do that, we're going to get some help from Samantha Clark.
3: I currently work as a happiness consultant. I am a speaker and an author of Love It or Leave It, How to Be Happy at Work.
2: Samantha has made a career out of helping people find happiness and balance in their lives. And we'd be happy if you stuck around. We'll be right back.
0: In each episode, Katie talks to authors, historians, athletes, Nobel laureates, and everyday people about why we make irrational choices and how we can make better ones to avoid costly mistakes. Listen and subscribe at schwab.com podcast or find it wherever you listen. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card.
2: Before Samantha Clark started coaching and working with clients, she had to undertake her own journey to find balance, fulfillment, and happiness with work and life. And it all started at an advertising agency.
3: I was kind of in between creative, kind of doing account management, and it just Uh didn't feel right for me and i spent a good few evenings with post-it notes on the wall and i remember wanting to be super creative but also i feel like there was a lot of fear around can i be creative am i somebody who is creative and i started to take myself to do courses in the evening um, around footwear i loved shoes loved kind of i used to think of them as architecture for the feet and that allowed me to have some breadth from my working day and to kind of come alive and lean into something else and make something with my hands.
2: So she started a business creating customized footwear that she felt passionate about. But unfortunately, her business didn't survive the Great Recession.
3: It was kind of a, a situation where I thought to myself, okay, I really love design. I love fashion. I was still kind of doing my day job, but I just thought I'm I'm still in between. I still feel that kind of twixt place and wanting to kind of leverage the skills that I'd been learning and the different design courses i had been on. And a friend of mine introduced me to somebody and she said, look, it, this person's just been made redundant. Um, you're a really great listener. And I think he also needs a new suit. <laughs> um, and so I've I'd, <laughs> I'd been doing a bit of styling as well. As she said, I think you're the perfect fit to yeah. kind of maybe give him um, some style direction, but also just kind of tease out what he really wants to do next. And I realized I loved being this sort of workplace clothing, agony art person. And it drove me to, um, to, to think about how I could develop more skills. You know, he went off, found himself a, a, an amazing new position, was incredibly happy, and said, oh, do you know what, I've got another friend who needs some help. And it just kind of spiraled from there.
2: turns out Samantha loved coaching. And so she decided to get some more qualifications. It was around that same time that she started working at the School of Life, an online wellness site that gives people tools and resources to live a more fulfilling life.
3: And it really opened up my world to philosophy, psychology, um, thinking about how we identify our passions and our career potential. And so I started Mm -hmm. to evolve a little bit of a portfolio career for myself. I was kind of working Mm -hmm. there. I was doing my version of what I'd call style therapy, and I loved it. And this led me um, to working at a tech company and I pitched myself in for a role. I just said, you know, I'd love to be your head of happiness. I'd like to roll out sort of coaching program internally and really think about how we bring Mm. people together across distance.
2: She's gone on to do talks, workshops, and even to write a book. But the thing to note is that at every point in Samantha's journey. She found something she loved doing, even if it wasn't a big part of the job, and figured out how to center that thing more. So that raises the question How do you find things that you love?
1: You're going to laugh at me. Uh,
2: I I am not going (laughs) to. Total nerd alert.
1: Uh I really love spreadsheets. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I. I mean. I. Don't, that's probably not exactly what you're talking about here. But when I get to delve into a spreadsheet, I can do whatever I'm doing for hours upon hours. And yeah. that is the favorite part of yeah. my job right now is when I get to delve into a spreadsheet. It'll be like seven o'clock, and my husband will come into my office and say, "Hey, are you, are you done yet?" and I'll look at him and I'll say, but I'm having fun. (laughs) He'll just like shake his head and go away. So I will say I, I do love that kind of work.
3: When you think about this kind of organization and in your current life, I'm guessing home life feels happy. Is there anyone doing a specific role or a specific activity that you think, God, I'm really envious that they get to do that all the time?
1: Sometimes I do have to hand off the fun stuff like the spreadsheets in the interest of being a project manager or doing more quote unquote, high level thinking. (laughs) And Sometimes that does disappoint me. So there are people at work that I sometimes have to hand this stuff off to. I do get jealous that they get to do the fun stuff.
2: Samantha, you have an interesting way of looking at um, how we build happiness. In your argument, in order to find happiness, you need to find your sweet spot in more than just two places, more than just work, more than just relationships. What is your general theory of like how we structure our lives in order to find happiness?
3: Mm. I think people think that happiness or purpose is going to show up at your door and be like, hey, here I am. Mm-hmm. But actually, <laughs> it's a process of constant... Um, you know, seeking, finding, testing, making some mini experiments. And I guess the question that I have for Tracy is like, what experiments have you been trying to identify? How do I get more opportunities to do this organization, this implementer magic into my life? And I think the reason I asked you why, or if you see anybody doing the thing that you want to do consistently what is it that is really attractive about that and what is it the positive bits that you don't want and the positive bits that you do want and how do you start to curve
1: out more of that i hear that because i think that there are pathways within my current position that i see over the next year or two potentially being able to get me closer to where i want to be which is great and i i do think some of these other areas are the areas where perhaps i could use some work
2: Okay, so what are we talking about? Well, in Samantha's view, there are four general zones that need to be in balance with one another, ideally your relationship to yourself, your relationship to others, your home, which is really your personal environment and your work, which is not just what you get paid for, but what you do or what you are called to do in the world.
1: I do definitely need to work on my communication. I'm not always this open and honest with people. So, um, being able to, <laughs> to talk a little more openly with some of my friends and, you know, I've always been the type to kind mm. of put on the smiley face and let the other person have what they need. <laughs> and mm. Yeah, definitely probably need a hobby.
3: I think you've gotten to the crux of it there. If there's two things I want to pull out, I guess what stops you from being authentically open?
1: I've got a deep-seated fear of being a burden. I don't want to be a burden. I don't want to be judged Mm -hmm. to some extent. Part of my process to trying to conquer this is thinking, okay, well, how do I feel when someone else is talking to me about their feelings? Mm -hmm. I'm not judging them. I'm not, like, life happens, you know? And I am trying to flip that switch to say they probably aren't burdened by me either.
2: Well, there's also a position of power there, too, where it's like, if I'm the one who is, like, like with my arms open, lovingly holding everyone's harm and trauma, and I'm this, like, safe space, and everyone just says, wow, I love Carvel. It's so great. I went and cried on his shoulder and cried on his couch. And what a wonderful guy. I feel a certain, that's a power relationship that I'm used to being in. Yes. Recently, I had to go to someone else's couch and cry on the couch and have them comfort me and bring me soup, tell me it was going to be okay. And the main feeling I had after I left, in addition to that was great, I'm so wonderful, is, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. I look like such a loser to this person. What must they have been thinking about me? And I realized that it was really the power dynamic that I was uncomfortable mm. with the switch mm-hmm.
3: in. It's almost you know. like the personification with the spreadsheets, you know? That is yeah. order, it's concise, it's, you know, mm-hmm. it is is what it is, but yet that's not who you can be in person. Mm.
1: Mm-hmm. And
3: I think the stripping away of that will allow you to start to explore. And you know what? Also, I think there's something around, you know, you mentioned needing to get some more hobbies. And I think with experimentation and purpose seeking comes a little bit of failure there comes a little bit of I'm not sure I'm heading in the right direction and when we try to hold everything together or to be perceived as having all the answers it keeps us in a tight little box where we don't experiment and we don't open ourselves up to trying new things testing tweaking because it, it then might encourage questions. Well, what, what are you doing, Tracy? Do you know where you're going with that? Like, why are you trying that thing? Mm-hmm. And suddenly mm. you have to start explaining yourself. And so it's, it's a hand in hand thing with the vulnerability of being open and communicating with that unshackling you to be able to try new things.
1: It definitely sounds like you're telling me I should step out of my comfort zone and do things I'm pretty sure I'm going to fail at so that I can get used to that. Um, Mm. And you're not wrong. I think you're probably right. I've been playing around with the idea of uh, building a table, which is something that I have no background or knowledge of doing other than having a general sense of angles. (laughs) You know, But I think I've been kind of holding back because my first table is probably going to be really bad. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So maybe I just need to go out and build a table.
4: (laughs) Yeah.
3: I mean, there's a a part of it that's going to be, you know, I think when people are trying to find new pathways... It's the act of doing that gives you more knowledge about yourself and how you show up in different scenarios. We can look at something Mm. externally and think, I might be good at that or actually I'm going to be terrible at it. But it's only when you get into it do you think, oh, do you know what? I really like the art of communicating with this person around this or I love the way that when I build something, it, um, it takes this shape. And actually, maybe I prefer this fabric over this. And you start to uncover a bit more about yourself through that process of doing and, noticing.
1: and I can see how that would also play into the ability to feel vulnerable just talking to other people, too, yes. because you, you feel vulnerable exactly. doing these new things and perhaps not doing them well. And you can get more comfortable in your body with that feeling in a way that is less vulnerable than when you're talking to someone else.
2: There is growth to be had by forming new pathways in our minds. And we do that by trying new things. Building a table, learning a new language, figuring out how to paint a vase or a sunset. New activities not only help enliven and activate our brains, but they also make us feel comfortable in a state of learning, of receptivity and vulnerability. And they also allow us to do something else, something we've loved doing ever since we were kids. Play.
3: I think play is just turning off that switch in your head that's like, why am I doing this? Can I make money from it? Where's it going? And it's just enjoying the moment. It's really just thinking, you know, what is it about this that excites me? I think as we get older, you know, naturally we become focused on responsibilities. Is this really worth my time and my resource? What's it taking me away from? And play becomes smaller and smaller and smaller. But You know, when you think about children, they're learning through playing. They're learning through touching. They're learning through testing different things. And I think when we stop playing is when we get stagnant with ourselves.
2: So how does Tracy avoid getting stagnant with herself? Why don't we take a quick recess? And when we come back, we'll find out. We're back with happiness coach, Samantha Clark, and Tracy, who is trying to find a little more fulfillment. Tracy and her husband love to travel, planning new trips, finding new places to go, but it's also a lot of work. And one year when they were feeling a little overwhelmed, they just didn't have the capacity. So they signed up for a program that gives you a surprise trip.
1: They basically just send you an envelope and you open it when you're at the airport and then you go where they're telling you to go. Mm. And we did that. Wow. And it was a three-day weekend. It wasn't a huge trip. We are not talking about a month. It was a three-day weekend. Right, 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 right. (laughs) And we ended up flying to Savannah and discovered that we loved Savannah and that's actually now where I would like to snowboard. And (laughs) it's this concept of opening up a whole new world I love that. Yeah. So what
3: could be one thing this week that you do that resembles that element of surprise? <laughs> it starts with, it starts that's with, a scary thought. it starts with one action. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's, that's part of it, you know, is, is ruffling the feathers and just thinking, what can I do to invite opportunity, chance, differentiation into my week?
1: This week I've got mm-hmm. a meeting. In a place I've never been to, and I just wonder if maybe I can take that opportunity to explore their downtown or um, stop yeah. at stop at a restaurant that I probably would never go to, or you know something like that. Like not only leveraging the stability, yeah. but leveraging the opportunity I'm getting to go to new places.
3: Yes. Yeah, totally. I love that. Go and check out some tables in in random (laughs) design stores or just, you know. Yeah,
1: that's actually really smart. Maybe there's a
3: woodworking shop. (laughs) Uh, I was almost going to say that, but I wasn't going to pile on any more work. But I just wondered if you could take a class. (laughs) Right. Or, you know, just go and speak to some practitioners or just something you know I think it's that element of surprise and delight that we need to add into our lives a little bit more
2: that's it's so funny you said that because one of my because I travel a fair bit for work and find myself in random towns like I'll be writing a story and I'll be in some town I've never been in and one of my cheap enjoyments is to go to the library and find the local history books and just read like this random local history of like this town and like, you know, books that they would never have in any other library because no one cares enough. But like, here's the story of this founding family or here's this whatever, just something about that. It like rewires my brain a little bit mm-hmm. and it puts me in a, in a receptive state because now I'm like receiving information and processing and learning and figuring out new things and kind of on my toes intellectually and and maybe mm-hmm. even emotionally. And that gives me some boost and i don't know the science of it some boost of dopamine or oxytocin or serotonin or endorphins or something that just makes me feel better yes you know
3: you'll find that the more that you make that a habit to ritually shift yourself out of script Mm. um you're going to find that there's less focus and tension on needing work to be everything or needing everything else to look a certain way and be open to what pops up and who you become in that moment.
1: I think it would be interesting to just jot down every time I think, oh, I should do X, Y, Z, or I want to do X, Y, Z, and then tell myself, no, that's crazy. (laughs) Just like Mm. jot down a list of those things. And then at some point, like, just sit down and think like, okay, why did I tell myself that was crazy? Why did I tell myself that that doesn't make sense? And maybe try some of those things.
3: Yes, you know the the thing that people dismiss as well is when we get those pings or those prods or nudges. It is. uh, ah, I'm trying to figure out the best way to describe this without it sounding too woohoo, but I think there is something about that ping or light bulb moment that you get that is driving you in a direction. Mm -hmm. But more often than not, we are too busy to listen, or we shut it down immediately. We don't give it the space to breathe and see what it could become. It might become nothing or it might be the seedling of another idea that becomes something. But the minute we get it, definitely jot it down. Don't ignore it. Because there is a linking. There's a reason why it came into your ether in the first place.
2: Hmm. Mm. You know, I often think of this. um, I went to this event one time and then this person was like, the facilitator was like, all right, I want everyone to talk about like the um, mildest, most low bar thing you want to get out of this event? And everyone was like, oh, you know, and then the next question was like, what is the wildest, most impossible thing that you want to get out of this event? Mm. It was just so fascinating to me to watch how I couldn't think of the wildest thing. All I could do was be like, well, that's crazy. That's not gonna happen. That's impossible. Mm-hmm. So I could only just do like the low bar thing and then like a slightly above the low bar thing. And, I know that you have that question in your work, Samantha, where you ask people sort of what they would do if they could do anything, like Mm. if they had magical powers, how would they change their lives? And I think that's such a valuable question. And I wonder, Tracy, how, like what you would do with your life if you were suddenly granted the magical powers to make it exactly like you want it to be.
1: Oh, boy. That's a huge question. <laughs> I mean,
2: that's a very I can big question. think of a few like so answer it as, as much as well as you're comfortable with in this format, but cause that's a really, yeah. Big question. no,
1: I mean, we've been doing our, like we started talking to a financial planner and we've been doing our estate planning and um, you know, there's kind of the, the baseline things of, you know, I mentioned wanting to snowbird in Savannah and you know, that potentially mm. means owning a second home and, um all of the things that go along with that but also you know one of my like if i win the lottery what i want to do with all that money is i want to put the power lines in my downtown historic district underground (laughs) you know so even then i'm like Mm. really weird i'm like really connected to um this this neighborhood i live in and you know like it's a wild thing. It's a wildly expensive thing to do and wildly complicated thing to do. And I would just love to see it done because I think the power lines are ruining the aesthetic of our historic district. But that's that's oh, like not wow. even about my life. I so that. I can only think wildly about the like the space around me. <laughs>
2: mm. <laughs> but that is, I mean, that is about you, isn't it? I mean, yeah. we. I it mean, would make me yeah, love I my Samantha, community and your that questions, much more. that's right well it's about your environment it's about the world in which you operate and it's about just just as you know burning some incense or playing music or whatever it is cleaning your house just as that's about creating an environment for you to flourish so too is having an outside when you walk outside and you look at the world that you're in that you experience that kind of like what I call aesthetic Mm -hmm. joy which I experience a lot that aesthetic joy gives me a feeling of like, ah, things are okay. I Mm. can be free here, I can like show up here, I can, you know, so that is about that.
3: But do you know what, this is the root of neuroaesthetics to a certain degree, because Mm. that is when you look at how your environment shapes your attitude, your sensory knowledge, that is like how you feel in your body, the knowledge that you have of the shared environment, your community around you, Mm -hmm. your personal view, um you are speaking to that you're thinking actually by m- making this a bit more aesthetically beautiful a bit more therapeutic a bit more um visually open you're creating an environment for people to flourish in mm-hmm. and yourself
2: and it it does make me wonder i mean yeah okay so maybe you're not going to be able to like like reorganize all the power lines in your town single-handedly it does make me wonder what is the you know when we go down to what is possible it does make me wonder what is in your space that has the same effect on you as the power lines mm-hmm. that every time you look at it you sort of cringe and wish it were different but you haven't done anything mm-hmm. about it
1: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. right yeah yeah no there's some trees like some little tiny trees i call them trash trees that i would love to get rid of and replace <laughs> <in>. <laughs> like i think i don't think they were intentional i think they just grew there and i would love to get rid of them and plant like a magnolia like, we have these, like, mm, what I call I New York that. magnolias, and they're beautiful, and yeah, I would, I would love to replace yeah. the trash trees with mm. a magnolia. Great. So that. it's
3: starting inwards to reflect oh, out. Man.
2: So here's our next insight. We, as a society, tend to view aesthetic improvements as superficial, overlooking the real effect visuals have on our happiness, our creativity, and our fulfillment. And as a side note, if you want to learn how to design your home in a way that makes you happy, we have an episode just for you. We'll link to it in the show notes. But overall, aesthetics are something that can be changed. And it doesn't have to be a gut renovation of your home. It can be a throw pillow, a new paint color, or rearranging your living room. A relatively quick hit as opposed to a slow burn project. It's like, what
3: are... The things that I could do this week without too much thought, without too much procrastinating or um, wait on it. Just think what are some of the things that I would just love to try this week that I'm just going to do and without thinking about it too much. Just to push myself out there because it's a habit that you need to build to keep nurturing Mm -hmm. this sense of curiosity and mobility of the mind. Um, And what are some of the slow burn projects that are going to take me a bit of time to execute, but I'm okay with them running along in the background and knowing that there is something else beyond my day to day that I am working on or that I'm working towards. And I think that variation of quick fire things that you can do and other things that are going to take a bit longer and need a bit more measured thought mm. because sometimes we can plan for action and change and it be this slow burn thing that never happens and we we end up mm. right back to square mm. one
1: mm. yeah i'm a big fan of small wins
3: yeah <sighs> keep that kind yeah. of pulsing change um and rhythm to your life i think is gonna really help to kind of push you in new ways
1: yeah and I, so one thing that I kind of came to throughout this whole conversation is you know I am thinking back on like you know like my life path and really this is the first time I've been I've felt quote unquote settled you know Mm. and stable and maybe that is really the the crux of what's happening here is you know (laughs) what Mm -hmm. i'm feeling is not a bad (laughs) thing or a lack of anything it's just the feeling of stability yes and how can i make sure that i can use that to my advantage and and leverage that for good in my life
3: yes and I, i i think there was another this might open another can of worms but you know how do you feel about stability and um ease and flow because sometimes there is an inner resistance to peace um, and to things feeling easy we sometimes <laughs> can invite tension and discord and disruption because that's how we think we flow and that's how we think that we're going to be flourishing through chaos but actually you're you, you know there might be some resistance to peace and that's why you feel like I need to disrupt things and work feels like the easy target
2: it also strikes me that at the beginning of this conversation, you sort of said you like it when you have a project to work on and that mm-hmm. part of what is weird about this moment now is that you don't have one there's no there's no like I'm building towards this career thing or I'm building towards this thing. but actually what has emerged for me just listening is that, Oh, the project here is tracy's happiness Mm. Mm. like that's that's the that's the purpose that's what we're working for now Mm, that's our project
3: it's not an external thing it's 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 not not an
2: external thing it's just tracy (laughs) (laughs) all of this makes me wonder about you and about me What is your passion project? That one thing that you would do if you suddenly had a magic wand and unlimited powers of manifestation for me, I think maybe I'd buy an apartment building with a courtyard and a garden on a sunny tree-lined street overlooking downtown and all of my friends and loved ones who wanted to would live there. My kids, my partner, my partner's elderly mother, my cousins. We'd have one or two units just for people who needed temporary housing, artists, or people fleeing domestic violence. We'd host community dinners and dance parties and events where teenagers read to children and old people read to toddlers. I don't know. It sounds impossible. Like, even as I'm saying it, all I can think of is all the different ways that it can't work. But what does it mean? What can I do right now, today? Well, I think it means that I want to be in community with people, with all generations of people. And I want us to be able to care for each other. So maybe there is something right now that I can do about that. Thanks to tracy for sharing their story with us and to samantha clark for all of her useful advice make sure to look for her book love it or leave it how to be happy at work do you have a dream that needs fulfilling send us a note at at howtoitslate.com or leave us a voicemail at 646-495-4001 and we might have you on the show and if you like what you heard today please give us a rating and a review and tell a friend that helps us help more people how tos executive producers Derek Chan, Rosemary Belson, Kevin Bendis, and Jabari Butler produced this episode. Merritt Jacob is senior technical director. Charles Duhigg created the show. Amanda Ripley is my co-host, and I'm Carvo Wallace. Thanks for listening.